Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. My special guest tonight is Kwame Sound Daniels, a trans-disabled fiber artist living in Maryland, USA. Z's latest book published by Atmosphere Press is titled The Pause and the Breath. Welcome, Kwame Sound Daniels, to the program. Good evening. Hello. Hello. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Fantastic, fantastic. Let's begin this poetic journey. Now, you've written a new book, The Pause yeah. and the Breath. What inspired the book? Um, so I spent a lot of time in a sapphic relationship, oh. and it led me to question what was integral to my identity as a black person, and yes. that was my transness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how this book was born. Okay. Mm. So it was born out of a toxic relationship. What are some of the predominant themes in the book? The themes, um, ancestry is one, water. Um, I meditate a lot on the Atlantic Ocean and what that meant uh, for my ancestors. Uh, I meditate a lot on indigeneity and what that means as someone who's disconnected from it, as someone who's distant from Guatemala. All right. Um, Very nice. And I meditate a lot on perception of the self and scrutinization of the self. So how the pause and the breath? Tell me about the title. It's taken from one of the later poems in the book where Mm -hmm. I urge the reader um, to pause and breathe with me. That Here, let me read it. Mm -hmm. The line is, um, this is the absence of absence. In Ars Poetica, Ars Trans Black Poetica, the poem, it is a self Mm -hmm. that exists in space, the pause and the breath. The pause and Um, the breath. Yes. All right. The in-between moments is where the self can be found. Wow. The in-between moments is where the self can be found. That is truly a profound statement. Thank you. It really is. (laughs) Now, I shared with you prior to tonight that I really like the book's cover. Tell me about the Mm -hmm. process for creating the cover of the book. My publisher asked me to send a few quotes and thematic uh, words from the book along, and I was given a choice of like 12 different covers. They were all beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to choose a cover where you couldn't tell whether the person on it was fat or skinny, and I Mm -hmm. wanted to choose a cover that indicated natural hair. All right. All right. It's beautiful. Like I said, I really like it. It's extremely striking. Kwame, please share a poem. Mm -hmm. Please share a poem. Okay. 
Jesus' birth mother from my book. Could my mother weave? Did she know the stars by heart? Could she sing their brightness? I think she had lakes for eyes. Imagine them brown as the dirt at the bottom where Axolos would swim, eyes so big they could swallow the moon. Her hair grows out of the top of my head, jet black curls that catch the sunlight and hold it. I want to learn my family's wisdom, want to say, teach me Maya womanhood, for I know nothing of the shape of it. I want to know my ancestors' pronouns. How did language form matrilineal bonds? Where can I find my birth mother's love? End. I think I'd like you to share that one again. I was just settling (laughs) in. (laughs) And you were done. (laughs) So (laughs) share it, please, one more time for an old man. Okay. Could my mother weave? Did she know the stars by heart? Could she sing their brightness? I think that she had lakes for eyes. Imagine them brown as the dirt at the bottom where Axolot would swim. Eyes so big, they swallow the moon. Her hair grows out of the top of my head. Jet black curls that catch the sunlight and hold it. I want to learn my family's wisdom. Want to say, teach me Maya womanhood, for I know nothing of the shape of it. I want to know my ancestors' pronouns. How did language form matrilineal bonds? Where can I find my birth mother's love? Wow. And that's the end. All right. I like that. Now, during the selection process, how did you decide which poems to choose? Ooh, so uh, that wasn't, that was the opposite of what I did for this book. I wrote this book with a single goal in mind to examine my black transness. So yes. every poem I wrote was included because every poem was meant to examine it from a different angle. Okay. Okay. Were you successful in that task? Yes, I think so. All right. All right. All right. Very nice. So what was your strategy for organizing the poems in the book? Sections, chapters, how did you go about it? As I went through composing the book, I realized that there was a kind of narrative that was being formed. Um, Even as I wrote the poems out of order, when I was organizing with them, um, Mm -hmm. I would look at how they spoke to one another and what themes could be found within each poem, how they rebounded off of each other, how they spoke to one another. And that's how I formed this book. All right. I'd like you to share with me the titles of five poems in the book. Any five poems. Okay. The Body. I'm trans-like. Surgery. Movement. Right. What should you consider, Kwame, when titling a poem? What goes into that? Titling a poem. That's <laughs> very difficult for me to... <laughs> talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me everything. I'm... I'm so I'm so bad at titles. Um, I always struggle personally with knowing what to title. I feel like the easiest titles for me are where I start the poem with the title, like I'm trans-like, and then the poem continues because then uh, it draws attention to the. Of course, every title draws attention to the beginning, but it's more of a natural flow. Mm-hmm. Um, In a poem like Surgery, uh, I discuss the soul 
and time. And the title surgery indicates how that would affect the soul and time in a trans person. Right. You know, one of my questions ordinarily is, how does a poem know where to go? Do you lead or does it lead you? What do you think about that? I think it depends on the poem. Um, okay. I, for a lot of these poems, I led because right. they were written with a specific goal. But yeah. then as I was writing them, I found that they would go in directions I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got to ask, what does it mean to be a black trans person? I think for me... Uh, it means that I hold my ancestors alive in myself. Okay. Um, I feel like being black and trans means a kind of freedom. I feel like being black and trans is personally, like my own black transness, uh, mm-hmm. is honoring the way like my enslaved ancestors had been degendered. Okay. We're not allowed to be gendered as human mm-hmm. beings. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're able to reflect your views in your book. Yes. Right? Please share another poem. Okay. Uh, I'll, sh- I'll share surgery, which I just took uh, the title from. Okay. The soul runs adjacent to the body. In the roots of the forest lies all that was built. Trees that stand still, ageless and aging, rings that hold the truth. And here's the truth. Time is fractured. The cells split. Some parts of the forest grow faster than the others. Some parts are nourished. Life perseveres and the body keeps going. Humans are mutable. Just ask the stars. Their silence is another language. At night, when all of the forest is quiet, that is when they speak. The speak is in the shine. Leaves that rustle and breach. Here's the truth. Time is told in tears, and the count of days lies in rest. End. Wow. Question for you. Is a poem Mm -hmm. letting your guard down or building a wall? This entire book is me letting my guard down. Okay. Um, Tell me more. <laughs> with this book, I'm inviting the reader into my experience of black transness. I'm inviting the reader into my insecurities, um, into my struggles with my perception of time and reality. Um, there's a poem in the book called Couldn't Leave, and it's a second-person narrative of a morning for me. Um, And it's inviting the reader. Huh? I'd love for you to share it. Okay. Couldn't leave. You were heartbroken. You left the kettle on the stove too long, let the steam scream from a burst from the lid. Your legs were pins and needles, and your jaw was clenched. You tried to blink away the burning in your eyes, but the tears came. Your chest echoed with pain. You could hear sobs, didn't realize they were yours. Your body was the one thing you couldn't leave. Wanting to tear the fat from your skin, wanting to cut off your breasts with your chef's knife, sawed the flesh until it was done, thought about your hips, digging your fingers into them until they throbbed. Just try to drink your oolong before it gets cold. 
And wow. I'm wondering, does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? No. Um, I feel I approach poetry the same way I approach painting, in mm-hmm. which um, I kind of pour my feelings out from my hands and I let my hands do the talking. Mm. Um, it's another way for me to communicate with everyone else. And I don't think communication, even if it's a painful one, is inherently painful, if that makes sense. It's the yes, results it of the communication, which are usually all painful. Right. All right, all right. <laughs> so you're a painter as well. Yes. Tell me about your art. I paint abstract. Um mm-hmm. For a long time, for like three years straight, I was focused on the Soviet suprematist movement um, in which objects are pared down to uh, geometric shapes um, and they're abstracted to the point where they're unrecognizable. Um, But recently, I've been into palette knife painting. Um, I found that I couldn't move forward in my suprematist art. I felt like I had reached the end of it. And I'll return back to it, but I wanted to express myself uh, in a more freeing way. And palette knife painting allows me to be more expressive. Mm. So it sounds like freedom is extremely important to you. How do you define freedom? And how is it reflected in your book? I think freedom, for me, is inner peace. Um, And I think the narrative that the book constructs is one of searching and finding inner peace and letting it settle within oneself. Mm. Now, are you hoping this book resonates with a broad audience of readers, or are you targeting a specific audience? I don't know if I have any hopes for this book. <laughs> um, I'm just happy if <laughs> I'm just happy if someone reads it, honestly. Well, actually someone did make a comment earlier tonight that said it's a great read. So Thank I wanted you. to share that with you. <laughs> Thank you. So, so the word is getting spread around. That's great. Please share another poem. <laughs> Okay, I'll share the ending poem since I just talked about peace. Mm -hmm. Ars poetica, ars trans, black poetica. It exists in space, the pause and the breath, the precipice from which feet dangle, hands hover, fingers press, words tumble out, nearly linear and permanent, stiff states, aqueous form, baby pink antagonism, a true wind blows north, Grass between the teeth, vomit, spit, expansive starbursts brighten the sky, an asterisk predates the form, erupts from the surface, ungendering chimes in the moonless night, a shadow under leaves, the body develops a second time, the tongue twists and untwists, secondary answers arise, this is unbecoming. You write exceptionally well. Thank you. I'm enjoying what I'm hearing. Now, tell me about an early experience, Kwame, where you learned that poetic language had power. 
I started writing poetry when I was like 14 years old, and it was very mm-hmm. gothic, very dramatic poetry where I used words like lachrymose and melancholia. Okay. Um, there were a lot of tears involved in the narratives, and there were grand sweeping gothic things. Um, but I learned that poetry could affect others in my creative writing class and where my poems affected my classmates. All right. Give me some more about that. That your full poems affected your classmates. Did it affect them positively or negatively or both? I, what I remember is that they were happy about my poetry. They thought I should write more. Okay. Um, they encouraged me to write more. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember much from my high school years because they were a fraught time. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> But um, I do remember that <laughs> I do remember that my classmates cared deeply for me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You know, I don't think I asked you what is poetry, and I've asked that question <laughs> over three hundred times. <laughs> I don't think I asked you that yet. What is poetry for me? <laughs> is um, both. Uh, It's an exercise. It's training, I think, and it's also an exorcism for me. Um, Poetry is me writing again and again until I feel like my goal has been reached, until I feel like I've gotten better, until I feel like my writing is more tight, my imagery is more stark. Um, And it's also an expelling of emotions and ideas. Um, It's communication. Poetry is communication, I think. You know, the word exorcism has so many different meanings to different people. What does it mean to you? I think it means um, spelling something which doesn't want to be expelled. Okay. Okay. So it's leaving your body. Yes. Or your mind. Or your mind. And what happens to it? What happens to it when it leaves? Where does it go? Uh, then it becomes something tangible. Then it becomes something that other people have, um, that other people can participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, like my friends who ask to see the early drafts of my poems, who get excited over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like presses who tend to read my work and judge whether or not they want to publish it. Um, yes. My readers. Mm-hmm. Um all of them are partaking in what I have expelled for myself. This, these ideas uh, become tangible. Okay. So for you, poetry truly is letting your guard down. Yes. Now, why is poetry important, Kwame, to you and potentially the world? Why is it important? I think it's important to me because I'm in love with the form. Uh, I'm in love with what it does. I'm in love with its history. Um, It was like the first piece of like recorded, like Epic of Gilgamesh, like that's poetry. (laughs) Um, It's beautiful. Um, And I think it's, it's important because it teaches people to think about things in a way that's different 
from pros. And I think learning to think about things in a different way than pros can be, like, beneficial to how one perceives the world. So, as I shared, someone said it's a great read, and I'm sure many, many, many others are thinking the same thing and potentially don't have the form to share it like this person did. What I want to know from you is, what would it be if you were to give your readers advice before they read the book? What would you share with them? I don't know about advice, but I would ask for grace Mm. um, and patience. Tell me about grace. Tell me about grace. What does it mean? Um, I think it means making space for someone, um, being patient, um, waiting, um, and listening, um, withholding until uh, the listening is done. Hmm. Has a poem you've written ever humbled or frightened you? I want to say the pause and the breath probably humbled me a lot, the whole book, Um, really examining what I thought transness was, um, what I thought like being genderless was. Um, I I challenged myself. You challenged yourself how? My notions of transness, like examining my own dysphoria where did that come from? Why did I feel dysphoric? Because I thought a uterus was exemplary of womanhood. So I okay. had to unlearn that in order to get rid of my dysphoria. Um, you know, that's that's transmisogyny. So yes. in order to get past it, I had to get past my own dysphoria and unlearn that. You know, what you're sharing is, for me, a new way of being, a new understanding. And I'm wondering, your poetry, it sounds, from what I've heard so far, is there's a lot of emotion involved. Do you think that someone yeah. can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Um, All right. <laughs> I think it's... <laughs> Unfortunately, all right. <laughs> I think it's um, it's a medium for art. Um, like poetry doesn't have to meditate on emotion; it can meditate on nature, and I appreciate that. I like it. I'm trying to delve into that more, trying to separate mm-hmm. myself from the eye, and mm-hmm. more delve more into like the biome in which I'm existing. I'm trying to distance myself from myself. Um, and I think some poetry can be focused entirely on the craft of poetry. And that's um, that's a very fair way to approach it, but it's mm-hmm. not ever going to how I'm going to approach it. You know, listening to you, you seem to be extremely self-aware. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> you jumped in that one. So, <laughs> how, how, how does your level of self-awareness show up in your work? I think in my meditations on ancestry and like what my goals are for my. Mm-hmm 
my books of poetry because after my first book, every manuscript I've written after that, um, two of which aren't published yet, have been basically concept albums in which I explore an aspect of my identity in a fantastical or external way. All right. All right. Okay. And you discovered, you discovered what? <laughs> but you just um, <laughs> You don't say much. You don't say much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what you say is short and eloquent and profound, but you don't say much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so what I discovered... Um, what I discovered is that I like myself. All right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Share another poem. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is called Body Mind. And Body Mind uh, theory is like a theory in um, disability mm-hmm. theory um, in which the body and mind are one. Um The mind is in the spine, in the belly, in the knees. It is in the hands curling and uncurling, the way fingers straighten out, muscles contracting, skin tightening. Consciousness exists in bright blooms of pain, an abrasion of knowing the brain's physicality. All bundles of nerves, like many rivers flaring, rushing, directing. The paths of synapses ripple with small bursts of lightning. The shift happens pre-convergence. Touch sparks all-knowing. The sting is in the realization you were not two, you were one, so let yourself be carried in this water toward feeling. End. Wow. You know, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours? And what makes them great in your eyes? I went through a phase where I was extremely obsessed with Anna Akhmatova. Um Her poems are so so concise, and they say so much in so very little lines. Um, as of January of last year, and still currently, um, I'm obsessed with Vladimir Mayakovsky. Um, his poetry makes me feel like I'm losing touch with reality, and I love that. Like, it makes me jump up, and I have to pace about it. I have to babble at my roommate about how excited I am about these poems. And right. I love poetry that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, I deeply admire Rothke. Rothke's, like, propensity for discussing grief and joy in the same breath is absolutely breathtaking. Um, I really like um, Kwame Dawes. Um, right. I think <laughs> I think his work is so profoundly, like, direct, and the way he talks around things, the way he helps the reader to understand what he's talking about is, like, so skillful. Um, book Nebraska Poems is, like, one of my favorite books of all time. The way it discusses um, nature and the indifference of the Nebraska weather and his place as a black immigrant in, like, in like a white space. In Nebraska? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I can relate. I lived in Oregon. 
where I was almost the only <laughs> black person <laughs> for 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I probably need to write a book myself. <laughs> you know, poets hail from all over the world. Where do you hail yes. from? And how, being from wherever it is, how does it reflect in your writing? Uh, my birth mother was an immigrant. Um, mm-hmm. if she hadn't left, I would have hailed from Guatemala. Oh, wow. Um, I hail from Maryland, um, in the USA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like all Marylanders, I'm obnoxious about my home state. All right. Um, and I think it affects the way, like, so much of the way I learned to perceive the world was like in my backyard, in a rural county, just like the way snapping turtles would peek their heads out of the grass and the way like the daffodils at the side of the house would like hold dew in the mornings and I would go out and I would touch the petals and yeah, I think the land shaped me. Wow, the land shaped you. Wow, that is so deep. <laughs> that really is. You really have a way with words. You really, really Thank you. do. You do. <laughs> You're going to go places. You're going to go places. <laughs> You're extremely talented. All right. We're going to take a brief break. But here's the question I plan to ask you when we return. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. They yeah. say that to see the world, With complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, musicians, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you? All right. Mm. (laughs) Okay. All right, all right, you're great. I asked the question, what emerges from you in your writing? Hmm. Um, I'm unsure. I think uh, my love of words, maybe. I love words. I love to play with them. I feel like English is not as elegant a language as many mm-hmm. other languages can be, right. but I think right. it's very stunt and very direct, and I love okay. that. All right. Share another poem, please. Okay. 
Okay. This is recital. In childhood, I thought woman life was simple, wrapped in gauze and tulle of tutus. I thought my recitals displayed girlhood as I leapt. I thought I was in my toes on point or in a plie or in the crook of my arm as I raised it high. Act like a lady, I was told, told to imbue my steps with grace. I was always showing off, proud of what I knew I would become, the lady chafed and tore at me. My toes were raw, sore. I felt like the stepsister who cut off her heel to fit the glass shoe, encouraged by her mother to do so. Princesshood, a state I could not reach. End. I'm wondering as well, as you think about your book, my question pertains to accessibility. What I'd like to know is, how hard should you work to solve a poem? I think if a poem isn't working, put it away for like a few weeks and then come back to it and work it again. And if it still doesn't work, then you can, I suppose, cannibalize it. Um, Take the lines that you love from the poem Restart another poem from these lines. Um, make poems out of your discarded poetry. Give it new life. You need to bottle your statements and sell <laughs> 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 them online. <laughs> I love the way you share these statements. <laughs> They could be quotes on cards and stuff. <laughs> <It's crazy. laughs> Thank you. He really is. <laughs> you know, so much is happening in this world. The good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent. What do you view, Kwame, as being the role of a poet in modern day society? Ooh, ooh, okay. Um, so I think that was like really, <laughs> that was really shaped. Um, the, like my idea of that was really shaped by um, Kwame Dawes' uh, Nebraska poem, mm-hmm. um, in which poets were viewed as priests of mourning um, and witnesses to the silence of an epoch. Um, and I think what that means for me as a black poet is to witness death and change um, and to engage with it um, through my work, um, through myself. Um, yeah, I think that's that's what the role of me as a poet is. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we talk about is assisting the voiceless find their voice. What do you feel about that statement? Is poetry, are we able to do that? Yes, I think so. I think, I think it's something that comes with the study of it. The more you do it, the more you figure out what your voice sounds like. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So what is the relationship then between your speaking voice and your written voice? if there is a relationship? I think, 
my speaking voice is more cautious. Okay. And I think my okay. written voice is braver. Wow. Braver. Do you participate in open mics and other programs like that? Oh, I would. Um, but I am very disabled and it is so hard for me to find the energy to go out and like drive to places um, mm-hmm. or even like scrounge up the money to Uber to open mics. And then it's like, if I get to the open mic, will I have the energy to sit through a bunch of people? Will I have the energy to feel like the ambiance of the crowd to hear people mm-hmm. clap over and over again, to hear the low murmur of voices, having to hold myself up. Um, and then by that time, will I feel enough energy to, in, to perform? Um, mm-hmm. I have to like really budget how I live okay. um, in terms of energy mm-hmm. um, because I can't waste myself, if that makes sense. And I don't think performance is a waste, but Mm -hmm. I think I want to leave time for myself to do what I want. Mm -hmm. I understand. I understand. What about participating in Zoom programs, Zoom events? What about those? Yes, um, I do. I'm able to... (laughs) I'm able to do those when I um, plan it ahead of time because then I can plan my days. Um, I'm participating in a BIPOC reading at my university on the 22nd. All right. All right. All right. Send me some information about it. Okay. I'm not sure if it's open. Um, I can ask the organizers, though. No, no, no. Not not for me to participate. (laughs) I just wanted to read about it, <laughs> what the program is. Okay. <laughs> I would never show up. I would never show up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question for you. As you think mm-hmm. about your book, what were what were the most challenging sections of the collection to write? Oh, I think there are two um crowns of sonnets. One is time and one is mirror. Mm-hmm. And both of them uh, meditate on, mirror meditates on like perception of the self and time meditates on the experience of the self. And mirror was, what was it, like five, six poems and time was seven. So I had to construct seven, six to seven sonnets that were in conversation with each other that explored the same thing from a different angle that still explored black transness. Okay. Okay. Mm. I'm still trying to grasp my head around black transness in your writing. What does it reveal? What does it reveal? I think, depending on the poem, okay, uh, it reveals uh, again that idea of freedom, and also it reveals like, oh, wrestling with imposed monstrousness, um, okay, like the trans body as an unnatural body, the trans body as uh, something people view as like medically wrong sometimes, um, mm-hmm. and then the body 
of someone who's viewed as a little black girl um, and wrestling with what that was in a white space, in a white yes. school. Yes. Yes. Tell me about a poem you were proud of writing, but afraid to share for fear of misinterpretation. I'm not afraid to share of any of my poems. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not afraid to share any of them? No. By not being afraid, what does that mean to you? I think um, I am opening myself to rejection, um, okay. and I'm willing to accept it. Um, just as much as I'm going to try to be willing to accept celebration, which in some ways is harder for me to accept that people might celebrate my work rather than reject it. Why is that, you think? Um, I think it's to do with the fact that I'm a perfectionist. And okay. if my work isn't as good as it has the potential to be, like I feel like it can be, Mm-hmm. Um, and it's rejected, that will make sense to me because it wasn't the best I can do. But the celebration of my work when I feel like it's imperfect um, is harder to accept because I'm not celebrating it as much as I could be. Okay. <laughs> so, so you'd like to celebrate it, but you don't feel that you should celebrate it because it's potentially not your best work. Sometimes, yeah. I, I can definitely celebrate the pause in the breath. And there's another manuscript I recently wrote mm-hmm. um, about uh, an asexual lesbian space mermaid. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel really proud of that one. How does that one make you proud? What What's different about it? So what I'm exploring is... So the mermaids are essentially black people um, Mm -hmm. who have a long oral history. And I'm exploring black indigeneity um, through the lens of alienness. And I'm exploring different ways of being sapphic. Um, Dynamics of like the butch and the femme, what kind of relationship that means. Um, And I'm exploring... I don't know, wonder, I think. Um, The main character of the narrative in verse feels a sense of wonder for a lot of things and really loves the universe. So with poetry, there's a statement by Moncal's Kalu. The statement is, poetry is like a canvas. You can paint any picture with it. Do you believe that? Yes. Okay. It depends, I think, on your level of skill and your familiarity with certain languages. Mm -hmm. But I think once you get to a place where you feel comfortable with your own voice, you can speak however you want. Okay. All right. All right. You know, when you think about poetry... Do you think poets must write about issues that directly affect their world, or can poems just be about rocks? I think poems can be about rocks, but 
I think one thing to remember about eco-justice poetry and nature poetry is that mm-hmm. it's still reflective of the world's condition. Why is that rock there? Was that rock placed there? Was there a war? Did that rock see blood? Um, that's something that nature poetry explores a lot. Um, what are the moments that the rock has experienced? You know? Well, yes, I had never thought about that. <laughs> Did that rock see blood? <laughs> like I said, you need to bottle it. You to... <laughs> the way you think and the way you speak. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> it makes me want to go back to school. <laughs> I want you to be one of my professors. I really do. I know I learned a lot from you. <laughs> I'm never going to be a professor. I do not have the energy for that. Okay, no well. <laughs> hey, you never know what future what the future holds. You never know. You never know. You That's never know. True. That's true. And someone may ask you to lead a workshop or become a pro- you just never know. None of us knows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the great things about poetry is that you can, can can write about those things that you think would never happen, mm. you know. And I like that because it allows you to be free, to move outside of a box that you may live in or feel that you live in. And that's important. What do you think makes your poetic voice different? I think that I, as a poet, am the culmination of every poet I've ever read. Okay. Um, so, like, my, I don't think my writing can be super separated. Like, I think mm-hmm. once, if you read who influences me, you can see them in my work. And I think what makes my poetry different is the people I come from. Hmm. Tell me more about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, so there are a lot of themes of Black American spirituality in my writing. Uh, so my voice comes from studying African traditional diasporic religions. Right. And African traditional diasporic religions uh, often come from West Africa. Um, so there's a thread of West Africa a long way down in my poetry. Okay. Please share another point. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> since I just talked about... Um, <laughs> I, this is called Two Spirits. Okay. Black American root worker, I pray to the ancestors, ask the spirits for guidance. I make tinctures and glycerites and bastes. I wonder at my meanness, the culmination of two bloodlines of shamans, disjointed and delineated knowledge learned secondhand, healing born of meditation. Two spirit, the twining of metaphysics and embodiment, askance in a voice, a shout hurled into the air. Ancestors, weave me a dress. Step out of the grave to dance my dance. Linger on in my presence. Tell my story in the pattern. Bear my heart in the colors. End. All right. 
You know, some people feel that poetry is a dying art form. What is your take on it? I think it's dying. I feel like there's so many people, like, there's such a thriving conversation around poetry. I think it's just that people feel like it's inaccessible to them. And I think it's something, poetry is something that you should try to learn. Like, not to write all the time, but try to learn how to read it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it opens up a whole new world of canon to you. It opens up a long history, and it opens up people from other countries, like Vladimir Mayakovsky, um, Mm -hmm. who can teach you about, like, what the state of the world they lived in was like. So when did he write? Uh, He was a Soviet poet, um, early Soviet era. Um, Okay. Yeah. So his work for you is important due to what? That he's able to has been able to do what for you? Oh, he's writing. a communist poet. Okay, <laughs> and, okay. Um, I I've read some communist writing, um, and I I'm I identify as a communist. Um okay, and I okay. think my experience with communist poets and their view of love is something that really resonates with me because it's not just romantic love. It's like love of the world, wanting a condition for the world to be in that's for people. Uh, Like my favorite poem of Mayakovsky's is Listen, in which Mm -hmm. he says that the stars shine because someone needs them to. Um, that, That makes me insane. (laughs) <laughs> like how, of course, like if the stars shine because someone needs them to, so the the stars come into existence because there are people that look up to the sky. This the name of stars came about because people defined them, mm-hmm. define their shine. It's like such an exchange between like mortality and the way that the universe moves. It's beautiful. So as a communist, mm-hmm. how how privileged is poetry? Honestly, I don't think it? it's privileged at all. You don't really make okay. money from this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I> think, <laughs> so this um, is just a labor, think, a labor of love, a labor of love, a yeah, labor of love. <laughs> I think, um, like, I think my poetry is pretty accessible. I think I'm pretty direct with what I mean. And I think a lot of poets are, like um, Mayakovsky is, uh, Mary Oliver, Sharon Olds. Um, Not all poetry is like intellectual poetry that speaks and philosophizes in circles. Sometimes it really is just about a rock. Mm. You just got to find the poetry that suits you. Wow. Well, I mean, where does your poetic doubt begin and where does it end? Mm, I think it begins with my perfectionism. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Which I only recently discovered about myself when uh, someone interviewed me like last year and I was like, oh, you're a perfectionist. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) 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 Um, 
<laughs> so my doubt comes from my lack of skill. I don't feel like I'm skilled enough yet, I think. But honestly, I think poetry is going to be something that I'm going to try to be skilled in for the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be skilled enough. So how would you classify then your ability to write poetry as a creative gift or as a creative art? I think it's an art. Uh, I think I talent is such a difficult thing to parse because with enough time, someone who isn't determined to be talented can still become like have a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had a knack for words and language since I was young, but the study of poetry and my consistent engagement with it is really what made it an art. I'm making art because I'm dedicating myself to it. All right, very nice. You know, we've reached my favorite part of the program. Mm -hmm. I view it as being a mini poetry concert. This is your opportunity to to share two or three poems back-to-back, no interruptions from me at all. I won't say a word. Okay. You're on stage. Okay. Rumi. Wait for the cut and recovery. The heart resides in the hand. How shall I live? How shall I keep my head held high? Mouth pursed, anticipating. This is how the heart touches the world. This is how hearts of doctors touch me. They shape my body the way I dreamed it. This is the future. This is the past. Every moment that is lived has been. Chickpeas have already been soaked and boiled. Pollards have already been sautéed. Season with salt and harissa. Allow grace before the event. Soften your gaze. Forgiveness takes rest. And now the world will hold its breath through your body. And 3B, 3C. I was afraid of what it might mean to have corkscrew curls sprouting from the top of my head. To have petals of lazy ringlets frame my face. Something ethereal about the way they hang. Ivy on a trellis leaning towards sunlight. A waxy gleam bringing a soft glow to the deep soil black, daffodil soft and springing, uncontained. I had to learn how to bow in the face of feminization. I came to love the way my curls held water. It's enough that I leave the scent of roses on my pillow, that I anoint my scalp with oil, so shoots of lavender shoot for my crown. This is the third poem in the time sequence. Intransitive being, you wished for one more chance at childhood, wished for your body to be remade, to the future, taking each day as the already past. When the scalpel cuts your breasts, you'll become again, and each dream you have will be stitched in where your breasts were. There's hope in your chest and fear on your tongue, but you keep dreaming. You are living each moment suspended. The years before don't count. You swore to yourself the weight of your breasts wouldn't make your soul heavy. So you close your eyes and pray to the ancestors for healing, and you wait for the day when you'll be new. End. Wow. What did you learn about yourself writing this book? The amount of time that I meditate on what top surgery could be to me, I determine that I can wait for it. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. I don't have to look at my breasts as like heavy lodestones or as things that burn me. Uh, I can just ignore them. I can just exist with them. 
They don't have to be symbols. They can just be flesh. Kwame, do you think you were meant to be a poet? I've always wanted to be a writer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Talk to me. Uh, I've. It was my childhood dream to publish a book, and now I've published two. Um, and I feel like I could honor my childhood self um, the way my adult life has gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if anyone is meant to be anything, but I think it's something real to achieve what you dreamed of when you were six years old. What surprises you most about being a poet? I think my potential for growth and the fact that I can pour myself into a medium and never reach its end. Wow. (laughs) Like I said, (laughs) you are an amazing thinker. Thank you. (laughs) You really are. (laughs) Well, we've reached the end of our poetic journey together. How can people stay in touch with you? Uh, You can find me on Instagram at the period okra, period Winfrey, okra as in the vegetable. Hmm. Um, And you can find my email on my website, um, www.kwamesounddaniels.com. All right. The pause and the breath. Where can listeners Mm -hmm. find it? Where can they find it? It's in Book Depository, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, uh, and oh, <laughs> I don't know why the words are escaping me now. That's okay. Um, you can find it at those websites. All right. So what's next for you? Where do you go from here creatively? Uh, right now, I am working on a manuscript, uh, a solar punk manuscript, um, and I am, that's poetry, and I am working on a manuscript, like a prose manuscript of Mm -hmm. a portal fantasy in which a person gets transported to another world, and I wanted to explore a world, or at least a setting in another world that wasn't based on fantasy Europe. You are incredible. Thank you. <laughs> you are absolutely incredible. You really are. You really are. And I was sitting here thinking that I could I can envision your picture on the cover of Poets and Writers. <laughs> I don't know if I can, but thank you. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I see it really clearly. You have something to say. You have something to say, something powerful to say as you share yourself with the world. I appreciate that. Yeah, because everybody can't do it. Even even poets can't do it. You know, in the in the in the real sense of sharing yourself. I commend you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right. 
<laughs> you don't talk much. <laughs> You're concise with your words, but when you do speak, <laughs> the whole world needs to listen. <laughs> I really mean that. <laughs> That's a high compliment. I appreciate it. <laughs> it really is. Oh, well, all right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Hearing the profound words of Kwame Sound Daniels. Her book, The Pause and the Breath, is available now. Go out and buy it. I plan to purchase a copy. Thank you. I really do. All right. All right. Thank you, Kwame Sound Daniels, for being here. I mm-hmm. want to thank our listening audience. And as I share with you every episode, Let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everyone. Take care. Good night, Quentin. Bye. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.